What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Monday morning. I don't know how good it is for the Birds fans here on Birds 365. This will be the toughest show Johnny Mac and I have done, and it's show number 678. you got to probably back it up into the 500s in February, coming off a Super Bowl loss to the Kansas City Chiefs for his tough of Monday, and we've had to do here on Birds 365, but we will give it to you for the next couple hours. He's McMullen on McDonald's. It's Mac and Mac, Birds 365. 42 to 19. Didn't see that coming. Um, the 49ers just put a beat down on the Eagles yesterday in their own house. And, John, for me, it's a question of underestimation. Which did we, and when I say we, I mean you, me, Eagles fans, a lot of other Eagle media, and maybe the Eagles themselves, which was underestimated more? How good the San Francisco 49ers are or the things that we've been bringing up, and God forbid I ever bring up any Eagle shortcomings on this show, I get <laughs> by several members of the stream, but we did bring them up, and we did note them, and we did say, yeah, but the Eagles just win. Yeah, and uh, I know right. they're the 27th ranked pass defense. Yeah, but they just win. We knew they were out there. We tried to at least not overemphasize them. Oh, they all came flying to the top yesterday against the uh, 49ers. Which underestimation was greater, the fact that the Eagles have issues or that the 49ers are as good as they are? I think the 49ers, as good as they are, uh, for most of the, the the fan base. For me, personally, it was definitely the Eagles keep finding ways to win. Um, and, you know, this is where, and, and you and I probably talk about 
from my perspective, uh, uh, power rankings or power polls too much because they mean the same today or tomorrow when they come out as they will of Saturday. But a lot of those had San Francisco better. And this is this is the time where PFF and some of those should take a bow and say, no, this is why, uh, you know, because that intangible stuff, while it can be real at times, is not going to be consistent over the long haul. And that's a better football team. That's a better football team. As we stand today, the San Francisco 49ers are a better football team, if you're going to be honest. And they were a better football team on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I kind of knew it, and I said on the show, logically, I should pick San Francisco, and I picked the Eagles. I went away from logic. Now, did I think they were going to beat them that badly? No, not not in a million years. And the curve's got to stop with Sean Desai today. Six consecutive touchdowns? Six consecutive touchdowns? Let me say that again. Six consecutive touchdowns? Not scoring drives, touchdowns. That's absurd. Even as good as San Francisco is, you got to put up some kind of a fight. You got to do something. And it's players more than coaches, obviously. But I think Sean's been on a curve and everybody. We've talked about that and how he's doing so. And I think he has done a great job for the most part. But it all fell apart yesterday. Um, so I think most of it is San Francisco's just really, really good, really, really difficult to deal with. Um, but it's not, you know. They lost three consecutive games because they didn't have Trent Williams and Debo Samuel. And if these two teams see see each other down the road, I don't know what the circumstance is going to be. It doesn't mean things are done for the Eagles, but it does mean that they got some work to do to catch up to the 49ers from uh, from a personnel perspective, which is, I know, tough for people to hear. But you saw those playmakers. I mean, and Debo was enemy number one. We'll do something about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, the guy had four four catches and four targets. The minute his his his, his foot got in the ground, he's boom, he's gone. Um, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey. We all know that's the best. You know what I think's ironic about this, Jody? Howie Roseman's the one guy who's been above reproach, and you know he's he's. I think he's the best GM in football. That doesn't change. But I do think you see John Lynch is in the conversation. I think these are the two best rosters in the NFL, but they go about it differently. And for the Eagles, long-term, I agree with their philosophy. But guess who had the best linebacker in football yesterday and the best running back in football yesterday? Yep. At two positions, the Eagles incredibly devalue. Now, linebacker, they're they're not only devalued, but they're injured. So you had guys who shouldn't even be out there. And by the way, the other shoe dropped with Nicholas Morrow. Terrible football game. Been playing good all season. And then running back, the Eagles have a good running back, but they don't have Christian McCaffrey. Can we, can we stop that with DeAndre Swift? They don't have that type no. of player. No, but nobody does. Uh, McCaffrey, McCaffrey, it's not just the Eagles. It's every other football team. That's and- true, and that's what I said this Seth yesterday on the on the post game show. Nobody has Christian McCaffrey. No, so, so you can't. But the, the bottom line is they paid him. They went out and they paid him, and he's the highest paid running back in football by far. 
Fred Warner's the best middle linebacker in football. They drafted him. They developed him. They paid him. Now, the Eagles had a good middle linebacker, not as good as Fred Warner, but they had a good middle linebacker. They didn't even draft him, but they developed him, and they didn't pay him. Right. Uh, um, a modicum of – so it's time to also take a look at Howie Roseman and say, at those two particular positions, maybe you got to do a little bit more, a little bit more than you are doing. I think that's fair to say as well. And, oh, by the way, I know this is 2020 hindsight, and you can always be uh, so brilliant in 2020 hindsight. But I, I know I said it, and I'm pretty sure you said it too, because you've been a McCaffrey fan forever. When that trade came down, I said, the 49ers don't overpay me. It's not like they're giving up a king's ransom a second, a third, a fourth, and a future fifth. That's not outrageous for the best player at his position in the National Football League. And the 49ers were willing to pay that price, and Howie Roseman wasn't, plain and simple, because they don't put that much valuation on the running back position. And if the 49ers run off and get themselves a championship at the end of this year, it's going to come back and bite Howie in the butt. Because, again, 2020 hindsight, readily admitting, uh, Tyler Steen, Brown, Keely Ringo. You wouldn't give up those three players for Christian McCaffrey and a future fifth-round draft pick? Are you kidding me? We no. now know the Eagle players that were taken in those positions where they would have had to come up with the same value for the uh, – Well, and by, and, and by value, I, I wasn't necessarily talking about um, the, what they gave up to get him. I was talking about the contract, but – you're right. Even when you talk about what they gave up to get them, the Eagles wouldn't do that. The, the Eagles wouldn't do that. But then you put on top of it the kind of money he makes and the kind of, um, you know, how far ahead he is of the rest of the group. Uh, they wouldn't do that even more so. Um, and when you have a a a player that's so unique, um, I think maybe – you need to be less hard line about that, but that's not even to say, you know, again, there's only one, you know, one, one thing I had a problem with yesterday and we know it's Philadelphia. So it's the running game. They didn't run the football. Well, they got behind and they weren't effective. And Jason Kelsey of all people said, you know, who, who wants to run the ball? Lane Johnson, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey. They're the first people that want to run the football. Jordan Mylotta, obviously. They always want to run the football. And he's like, well, we weren't successful. So what play caller is going to run the football when you're not successful? Um, so that's part of it as well. But then the fact the Eagles stopping the run. Again, it's McCaffrey. You're not going to see Tony Pollard's a great player. That's it. You're not going to see Christian McCaffrey again until you see Christian McCaffrey again. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you get a second chance at him in the playoffs. Um, last week. If you look at the raw numbers, it looked bad for the Eagles. But it was Josh Allen. The running backs averaged less than three yards a carry um, uh, in, in the Buffalo game, the Buffalo running backs. And I said on the show, I said, you're not going to see Josh Allen again. <laughs> well, you know, maybe see Lamar in the Super Bowl. You're not going to see him again. Um, and, and sure enough, that the, the quarterback run game went back to normal. Um, so. Part of it is you got to tip your cap to the other team. And that's why, to your original question, I go, yeah, San Francisco is really good. Really good. Along those same lines, um, 
you told uh, us, I uh, mean, and the list the streamers and everybody else, that the, one of the reasons why you picked the Eagles to win the game was the advantage the Eagle defensive line had over the offensive line of the San Francisco 49ers, given Trent Williams his props as a future Hall of Famer, but the other four guys. The other four guys did a pretty good job of keeping Brock Purdy clean yesterday. The Eagles had two sacks for all of four yards for the entire game. And one came in the first series with Hassan Reddick getting home. That was only a two-yard sack, but it forced a third down punt, uh, fourth down punt. Uh, so so we, sir, I don't want to say it wasn't an effective play. It was just wasn't a game-changing type play. The rest of the game, one sack for two yards. The Eagles defensive line, which is supposed to be the best in the National Football League, yeah, not nearly as good as expected. Or the 49er offensive line, yeah, I guess we got some uh, apologizing to do because they held up just fine. Did they? I, I don't know. I got to look. I got to I got to relook. Um, they get they get the ball out quickly, but that's part of what they do. Um, the first 15 minutes, the Eagles dominate. The Eagles, that that's so what's what's so interesting to me. 15 versus 45. Yeah. The first 15 minutes, the Eagles defense looked like world beaters. Hassan Reddick looked like he was going to get arrested for terrorism. He was wrecking the game just like he wrecked the game in the NFC championship game. And all of a sudden, poof, it's gone. Now, why? Um, first of all, you know, San Francisco, for whatever reason, they only had two drives in the first quarter. Um, and it was interesting, the dichotomy between the first and the second quarter, because it was the exact opposite in the second quarter. The Eagles only had two drives, and San Francisco had two opportunities. The Eagles got two field goals. The 49ers got two touchdowns. So right now, that's where the game sort of changed the opportunities. They took advantage of the red zone opportunities. The Eagles had to settle for field goals. Um, which is never good against a team like San Francisco. And then they did the old um, defer sandwich, the, the, the first half and the second half with touchdowns. That's what you want to do. That's why people do that. Not enough people accomplish it. They accomplished it. They probably won the game right there. But as far as what happened in the, in the first 15 minutes, versus the rest of the game, Christian McCaffrey didn't touch the ball once in those first two drives. So I don't know what Kyle was thinking. He thought he had something. He wasn't working. And then he adjusted and went back to his, you know, wheelhouse. And Right, but you then, know, let, then let me ask you about Sirianni slash John. They get away from DeAndre Swift. The 49ers down 6 nothing said, yeah, but yeah, that's our, what our I, bad. We should have given to McCaffrey more. The Eagles just keep throwing and throwing and throwing and throwing and bring in uh, Kenny Gainwell. And they, they didn't get back to their guy. Why didn't they get back to their guy down 14 well, we? This is what I said to Seth. Why are we comparing DeAndre Swift to Christian McCaffrey? This is where Eagles fans are Because he's are, the Eagles' number one running back. And okay, but Eagles that's it. That's the only competition. 
That's the, the only you got away from their number one running back. Yeah, their number one running back is better than DeAndre Swift, but the Eagles should not give it to DeAndre Swift because no, I'm not saying it's not Christian McCaffrey. Uh, therefore, we should just not give it to him. That doesn't make any sense. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. But the only comparison is their number one running backs. I'm not comparing them as players because that's no, you shouldn't. That's, that's that part of it's a, a, absurd. He's the best running back the Eagles have, but I think too many Eagles fans think he's some kind of all Christian pro McCaffrey? No, nobody's player. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I'm saying. The second part is I get why everybody's focused on offense, and there's plenty to complain about offensively. Don't get me wrong, but how do you get past six consecutive touchdowns? That's so true. how do you know? How do you know what the Eagles? What are happened to do? the Eagle defensive line? I asked you the question. I kind of danced around. You didn't give me an answer. You said on Friday the Eagle defensive line is much more better. I said. To- I think if you look at the film, and I'm interested to see. Um, the PFF grades, they'll come out about 12-1, typically. The Eagles, except for Josh Sweat, who was erased. And by the way, Lane Johnson erased Nick Bosa. There were there were good performances. Lane Johnson was freaking... Nick Bosa can't do a damn thing. That's the defensive player of the year. Can't do a damn thing against Lane Johnson. It's freaking amazing. There were good performances. I think when you look at the grades, and we'll see, and I got to watch rewatch the game, I think the defensive line played fine. The back seven was embarrassing. Embarrassing. They had to play like they played in the first 15 minutes, which is not sustainable. That's not sustainable to play like Hassan Reddick played in those first 15 minutes. He was probably the guy most fired up for whatever reason. Hassan, I think, took all the chirping from the 49ers for all the talk there was, I think if you, you said the one Eagles player who took it the most to heart, I think was Hassan Reddick for whatever reason. Um, I, I think, and, and he came out to prove a point and he did in those first 15 minutes. And I'm sure San Francisco helped from there. I'm sure there were a lot of adjustments. And again, I, you know, late night, I got, I haven't even rewatched the game. I got to rewatch the game. But I get, but but the Eagles' back seven was the problem. The linebackers were awful. You and I were texting back and forth during the game about slip screens and bubble screens. Well, guess what? If you just tackle, you might have a six, seven, eight yard gain, even with Debo Salmon, even a fifth tackle. The back seven was atrocious. They were scared to death of Brandon Ayuk, uh, and 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 Slay was playing so softly on him I thought they gave him way too much respect very good player but I mean he's not Tyreek Hill you know they were playing him like he was Tyreek Hill um and then you know what is Eli Ricks doing on the field and and it wasn't a lot of snaps but you saw him completely whipped on the touchdown to Jenny I've never seen so many missed tackles I that back seven is awful on well I shouldn't say is awful was awful on this particular day so I think if you look at it Jalen Carter played well you know he got frustrated he's not used to losing he got the personal foul by the way we got to talk about Dom we'll talk about Dom with uh Marcus um because I know he'll have a strong opinion we're gonna have Marcus Hayes on that Dom you cannot do that you cannot do that but um, 
Uh, <laughs> By the way, Ref's got that right. I know that yeah. it, it's it called like iron the statement. They did exactly right. Dom needed to be taught, yeah. and Greenlaw needed to be yeah. taught. You can't, exactly. you can't put your hand in it. Uh, I don't care if he's a player or not. You can't put your hand in somebody's face. The no. the referees absolutely positively got that one right. And yes, it was, if you're if you're evaluating it from an on the field stance, major advantage Eagles. Greenlaw is coming, oh, yeah. off and you're just losing. Dom. Oh yeah. So oh, so yeah. Nick's got to carry his own headset. And, 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 and let me say, uh, Jody, uh, you know. But we were talking about them running it. So that's my thought on the defensive front. I think they played well, except for yeah, Josh. I, I don't know how you can possibly say I that think with they the say, numbers they put up. I, but, yeah, I, I'm not I'm, – they get the ball out quickly. I'm not – you look at San Francisco's sacks of Jalen Hurts. So did you – well, then, again, John, um, you mentioned to the streamers on Friday you thought the Eagle defensive line would be able to make Brock Purdy's life more difficult and for him not to be able to do what he's been doing basically since he became the starter of the 49ers, and that didn't happen yesterday. Did the back seven suck worse? Oh, yeah, they did. But the defensive line did nothing to take Purdy out of his game, so are you giving him a pass for it? I'm not giving him a pass. He was 0 for 4 for 0 yards in the first 15 minutes. John, they play 6. Do you know that? What do you? The first quarter becomes irrelevant after you play the last three. I get it, but I get you're a Purdy guy, and I get you want to say, look at the place, look at the place, look at the touchdown to IU. We were touching. He had to die for that ball. He almost dropped it. Some people think he dropped it. Uh, he's throwing bubble screens to Debo Samuels going 49 yards for a touchdown. He's a great point guard. He's not making you're still You're still disrespecting him. He's I'm not, not a point guard. Calling a point him a guard. point guard is, in my opinion, disrespectful. He how is, is it, the equivalent of any, just purely in production, he is the equivalent of any quarterback but in the league, what, including Patrick Mahomes, including Jalen Hurts, including any other one you want to name. And he this is, is that why, good. This is why, on, on, I'll turn it on the head for you. This is why you said, you know, would mock people like, I don't know, PFF who had San Francisco number one and the Eagles number seven. And say, well, the Eagles are 10 and 1 because production says it. Well, yeah, but if you don't play right and, and the ball's bouncing your way and Baldez Scantling's dropping a ball and you see all these anomalies, eventually it's going to regress to the mean. Eventually it's going to regress to the mean. I compared the guy to, to a Hall of Fame point guard last week, a Hall of Fame player. That's not an insult. It's the type of quarterback he is. He's not going to make Josh Allen throws down the field. Is that an insult? He's not going to make those plays. He uses Debo Samuel beautifully. He uses Christian McCaffrey beautifully. He's a great touch thrower in the middle of the field. He uses George Kittle beautifully. He uses Brandon Ayuk. But he's not He's not the guy who's going to make tight window throws, who's going to make something out of nothing. That's not an insult. He's on the perfect situation for him. He's a better, he's doing a tremendous job. I compared him to a Hall of Fame point guard. Somehow that's an insult because he's not Steph Curry. Lamar Jackson is Steph Curry. Patrick Mahomes is Steph Curry. Patrick lost the game. Uh, he's Mo Cheeks. It's not an insult. How, how is Lamar Jackson Steph Curry? Because More he so can do Debo things. Samuel. 
because he can do things on his own. He doesn't need Debo Samuel. He doesn't need bubble screens. He doesn't need, he can go out and make a play on his own. It's not an insult. Are you going to sit there and say, if if a play breaks down, okay, and you got to have something, maybe it's a 10-yard first down, uh, where would Brock Purdy be on the guys when with, that you would need to go get those 10 yards? When, when everything broke down. So you don't have the bubble screen to Debo. You got to make it on your own. You got to figure out a way how to do it. On where on your list would Brock Purdy be? Where on your list to do something by himself would Brock Purdy be? Well, he, he's not as good a runner as Lamar Jackson or Jalen Hurts. I get it. That. He's just not capable of doing that. But I think he can buy time and make a throw and get it uh, to oh, someone else. The you, first read isn't need, there. If it's fourth and 15, season on the line, Kyle Shanahan draws up the play. It doesn't work. And he's got to do something. It doesn't have to be running the ball. It could be extending the play. It could be going and going and going and going. And you just got to make a play. Where would he be on your list of the guys to be able to do that? Not far behind anybody else, including Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. That's where you and I disagree completely. I mean, he's not to say he would be in the top 15 in that limited top category. 15. That's a freaking insult, top 15. There are 15 quarterbacks that can make a play over uh, Brock Brock. By That's what you just said. You want to stand themselves. behind that? By themselves. I know when you stand behind it, I'm that might be too high. I not only stand behind it, make a play by himself. You're gonna give you're gonna give Brock Purdy credit for what Debo Samuel did. That's what you're doing. Where's Do Debo's John, John, credit? John, just to keep it in a Philadelphia vein, do we ever bring up the fact that AJ Brown catches a seven yard slant and turns it into a 35 yard play because it was Jalen who threw it, or do we just go, oh, that's great design play? No, we never bring it up. But when Purdy does it, well, Purdy got a 50-yard touchdown. Basically, Debo ran for 40 yards. We don't do it with other quarterbacks. Why do we do it with Purdy? If somebody, if if AJ took a bubble screen, 49 yards, and somebody was on this air saying, oh, Jalen Hurts made a 49-yard touchdown, I'd be saying the same damn thing. That's AJ Brown. That's not Jalen Hurts. So what's the difference? That's Debo Samuel. That's not Brock Purdy. Come on, be realistic. Who's that touchdown? Brandon Ayuk. That's Brandon freaking Ayuk making a dive and catch on a ball that was poorly thrown. What I I mean, come on, let's be honest. I'm being honest. I think that when we look at things through eagle colored glasses, we don't know that Jalen Hurts has tremendous people around him. The Eagles. I'm not the Eagles colored glasses guy. I will say the same thing. With the Eagles, as I say, with the 49ers, if A.J. makes a play, that's A.J., not Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts is capable of making more plays than Brock Purdy. I'm sorry. He is. He is. Uh, we'll, we'll see how the MVP and, and, and by the way, and, and the Brock same... Purdy just jumped up to actually take the lead in some of the betting markets. Well, and, I don't, uh, first of all, you know, the betting markets are what they are. Jalen Hurts was the MVP. Betting markets, which we questioned all week, and I say we, that means McDonald and McMullen, that the Eagles were actually a favorite. 
And the betting markets were dead on right. The 49ers came in and kicked the Eagles' ass. So if you don't want to give the betting markets credit for it, you don't have to. I'm telling you I do. No, that's fine. I don't, I don't, you can give anybody credit for anything. What what I'm saying is the MVP yesterday was Jalen Hurts. Today it's Brock Purdy or somebody else. So who cares? Who cares is all I'm saying. Uh, Jalen Hurts was the MVP yesterday. Brock Purdy or somebody else is the MVP today. Somebody else at Dak Prescott beats the Eagles next week and might be Dak Prescott. Um, At the end of the year, we'll see who the MVP is. That's all that matters. At the end of the year, the San Francisco 49ers, remember, this is what I'll say about the Eagles. The Eagles are still in first place, still number one seed. They had a small margin of error. That margin is now gone. So if you want some positive as an Eagles fan, they still, you know, they got one they game. They're fantastic. If they win the rest of their games, they're the number yeah. one seed. They know that. And and they got one game because the other games, let's be honest, are Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So, you know, we had talked about this. Um, so let me, I'm sorry to interrupt, John. I And we got to get to a break. Hopefully Jeff Kurt is supposed to join us. We haven't heard from him yet. Um, off yesterday's performance, as bad as it was by the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think it was the entire defense you think this seemed. Uh, that the back seven, they were worse. They, that's the worst, certainly the worst of the two groups, but defensive line didn't get Purdy off its spot. If if you know ahead of time he's just a point guard, well, then you got to get quick pressure, and the Eagles didn't do it yesterday. By the I, way, if you're a Hall of Fame point guard, why is that not a problem? Like, people knew I compared him to Mo Cheeks. People knew Mo Cheeks was just a point guard, was just guy dishing. Well, why couldn't they stop him? I'm not saying it's easy to stop him. I, I'm saying that's what he is. I, I, that's not an insult. That I, th- it, To call somebody a whole, uh, it's not an insult. But okay. I guess people take it as a Yeah, I do, for Brock Purdy's sake. Um, but uh, while, while I'm, the, the I readily acknowledge back seven was worse. The defensive line did nothing to disrupt the point guard that is Brock Purdy. So I think their entire defense stung. Six straight touchdowns. Nobody gets a passing grade or a pass for me. They were terrible. That being said, we just continue to chalk up those three wins at the end of the season? Or do we have to at least say they should win those games, not it's rubber stamp they win those games? Against well, I, I, I would I would say it's rubber stamped against the Giants if they're trying. You know, who knows where they'll be. They might not See, need... that's what came down yesterday. They're trying. They're playing all 17 now, John. The, the 49ers aren't losing three in a row again. Uh, even if they beat the well, Cowboys next I mean. week, which that's I think they I mean. should, they they're gonna have to play all seventeen. There's there's no respite. Yeah, most likely, league. but you never know in this league. Is all I'm saying. Uh, there's there's upsets all the time. See, that's what um, I'm asking. It, you never know. Cardinals, Gi- Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Can you never yeah, know? Yeah, the Cardinals, there? the Cardinals, because of Kyler. It's similar to what I was saying because he can make a play on his own. So he can, he can pull a horseshoe out of his you-know-what and make a play and make a crazy play. So I I wouldn't say it's a fait accompli. I would say it's very likely the Eagles are going to win those final three games, but it, nothing's ever for certain in this league. But Kyler, yeah, I mean, Kyler is that type of guy, type of guy I'm talking about. He can make something out of nothing and and turn something, and and you can have one of those crazy moments. And the point that I'm trying to make, and uh, I apologize if uh, we either disagree or you're not getting it. 
uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson can make something out of nothing. But he's Dorian Thompson Robinson. Just yeah. the ability to make something out of nothing, to be an athletic quarterback. And, and that's not what I say. By three seconds. And that's not what I Doesn't necessarily make you a superstar quarterback. I didn't say it did. You're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm saying fourth and 15 got to have it moment. And you got to make something out of nothing. Where would he be on your list? I'm not saying good quarterbacks. You just brought up a, a bad quarterback who would be ahead of him. Josh Dobbs would be ahead of him in that situation, in that specific situation. Doesn't make them better quarterbacks in that specific situation. If you go by the Josh Dobbs game, the first Josh Dobbs game when he got traded uh, to Minnesota, the Atlanta game, he he made two plays. And he's terrible, but he made two plays to win one particular game completely on his own. That's what I'm saying. That's right. it. That limited situation, fourth and seventh, I, I think it was. I've uh, got to have it break down. Where would he be? Not high. And you just proved my point, to be honest. Sure, I did. My point is, I think you're putting way too much emphasis on the ability to make a play on fourth and 15. When you've got a 90 play, a uh, 65, sorry, how many oh plays God, there Jeremy, are? All I said game. is he's that one great... play is going to come up once no, out of these 60 plays. Talk... I'm not putting that big an emphasis on the fourth and 15. you got to make an athletic play. And that's very fair. But all I said was he's a great point guard. And you thought that was disrespectful. And I compared him to Maurice Cheeks, and you thought that was disrespectful. I don't think it is disrespectful. I think he's doing a tremendous job in the system he's in. And that's all his that's his job description. And that's all he should be judged on. And he's doing a freaking tremendous job. But if you if you put him on a bad team, if you put him on the Chicago Bears, he's not making weird plays like Justin Fields to win a game occasionally. That's not an insult. He's a better quarterback than Josh Fields. Justin, what what are we? Justin, uh, Justin Fields. Um, he's a better quarterback, but I'm saying there there's certain things he can't do. It's not an insult. It's not an insult. He's a point guard, and he's a really good point guard. And he's a better point guard than Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's a better point guard than Sam Darnold, and he's a better point guard than everybody else Kyle is one with. And that deserves applause and credit. But I'm not going to make believe he can make plays like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes. And it'll be quite telling if a point guard wins the MVP at the end of this year. How do I get my hands on that kind of point guard? Uh, he's McMullen. I'm McDonald. We haven't taken a break yet. We'll, we'll do that here. We're waiting on Jeff Kerr. Uh, we'll send a text out to Kerr. He's supposed to jump in with us on an early spot. Our number two, Marcus Hayes at the Inquirer. is going to jump in here on Verge 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to most to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. For some reason, uh, we haven't been able to work around Jeff Kerr. Uh, Sandra tells me he should be here shortly. All right, and we'll punch him up when he does, does jump in. Uh, we did say we would get to it, so this is as good a point as any. Uh, what happened yesterday? On the sideline, during the game, Big Dom getting tossed. If you had said that, to, hey, Tom, you plan on getting tossed this year? Uh, when when we were standing there and he came by at the Eagles preseason practice, you and I were together. What do you think he would have said? Toss? Why the hell would I get tossed? Oh, yeah, he got tossed from a National Football League game yesterday. And we can go through the entire thing, how he came down, what happened. Uh, but I think keeping it on the field, the most important thing, that should have been something that lifted the Eagles. Not, maybe not the victory, because they were just blatantly outplayed yesterday, and the 49ers showed they have a better roster as of right now. But I thought at least that was an area, okay, now maybe the crowd gets it. Maybe the, the, the players get pumped up because their guy, their security guy, who's had no impact. The other team gets one of their best players thrown out. I thought that could be a turning point part of the game. 
it turned out to be a big nothing burger. Is that shame on the Eagles, Johnny Mac? Yeah, shame, shame on the Eagles defense because they did score. It was a 21-6 game when uh, the kerfuffle happens. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, it was a good trade-off for the Eagles because the 49ers lose uh, Drake, Drake Greenlaw. who's a very good player. And, um, and everybody loves Dom. You were there for a short window. You, you, you see all of us. We love Dom. Everybody does. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you can't do that. And he rightfully got, uh, kicked out of the game, but it didn't, you know, hurt the Eagles from a football perspective. We'll see if he gets suspended. The NFL might have something to say about it, but, uh, they scored, they came out and they scored. That was the drive where they kept going and they had to, they had to use two tush pushes, which in theory, they were at the two yard line. They tush pushed to the one and they tush pushed. Uh, again and everybody goes nuts when they do that and they scored and they're right back in the game it's a one score game at that point 21-6 it became uh, they weren't going to chase points that early which I agreed with so it was 21-13 and then bang and even when they came out uh, that was the second sack of the game Fletcher Cox got Brock Purdy for a small loss it was only about two yards or whatever um so it was second and 12. And then I'm trying to look it up. It was McCaffrey for five yards. So you get in third and seven, which is kind of manageable. They get it to IU wide open because Slay's playing in the parking lots for 10 yards. And then Christian McCaffrey again off left end, right behind uh, 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 Trent Williams. Um, phenomenal player. <laughs> I can't say enough good things, but... Trent Williams, 16 yards, and then bang, Debo Samuel. Bubble screen, 48 yards, touchdown. That freaking back seven, man. I, I, That's why there's plenty to criticize, and I'm sure we'll get it in all this week in the offense, and everybody hates Brian Johnson. They got to run the football. But you're right back in the game, and that quickly. And he even have him in a hole after first down. Even have him in a hole, the second and long. And even third, third, that's seven, where you don't want to be. Seven is not bad. Third and seven is, is, you don't want to be there if you're an offense. You want to be third and five or, or lower. Yep. They can't get off the field. Two plays later. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that was quick. That was a quick drive. Let, let's see, five plays. 257 and obviously the big play from Debo Samuel. So, and that, and in a lot of ways, and I had that in my notes right here, that was the game coming off that. They, they, right. they made it a one score game. And you're saying, you know, complimentary football. I talked to Jalen Hurts about complimentary football. Obviously, he wasn't going to bury the defense, but to me, that was the game. That drive was the game. The Debo Samuel 48 yard touchdown. Defense came up small, Jody. Yeah, they did. And it just continued to get worse from there on in. It was like they were bad, and then they were deflated, and they had nothing left in the tank. Uh, and, yes, the linebackers ye- yesterday were just flat-out poor. Um, Christian Ellis made a big play in one of those yeah. first two series. And you're like, ooh, this might be okay. 
And then they had to play the last three quarters, and that was a problem. Christian Ellis is a problem. Nicholas Morrow is a problem. Their linebackers right now are a major problem. Shaq Leonard's agent is going cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, can we talk about my guy coming in here and helping your uh, linebacker core, Howie Roseman? Uh, he wants to. He likes Nick. He's got a relationship with Nick. Nick keeps blowing up his phone, and he feels bad that he can't answer him every single time because Nick calls him twice an hour every hour. Um, but here's the cost. Here's what it's going to be. Shaq wants to get paid. Maybe they even talk about a multi-year deal. Would the Eagles, mm. and number one, think about paying the premium? Because uh, I'll I'll, ju- I'll make it into a question. If Shaq Leonard is going to decide on where he can best have success and get a ring, would it be Philadelphia or would it be Dallas? If those are the two teams that are the top pursuers. I I think it should still be Philadelphia, but yesterday's game might be might might have him rethinking. Um, I will say that, uh, but you know, uh, players are just like I, I would say. Yesterday's game bolsters the Eagles' chances because what they're going to play Nicholas Morrow over me. Of course, I'm going to play as soon as I show up there. I'm playing every snap. The Cowboys can't offer me any more snaps because I'm going to play every snap for the Eagles going forward. They, yeah, they were so I, I bad. It adds to the possibility of him coming here to Philadelphia, but it also adds to the cost it's going to be. If you want him, you're going to have to pay for him, Howie. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of Shaq Leonard talk is based on what Shaq Leonard was and not what Shaq Leonard is. I just criticized Howie Roseman for the devaluation in the linebacker position. The only thing I would criticize him more for if he would bend over backwards and give Shaq Leonard a bunch of money or a multi-year contract, because that to me is a complete panic move. That's not who this guy is uh, at this stage of his career. This is a stopgap, a Band-Aid. If you get him, great. He's better than what you have. If you don't get him, you know, you hope Zach Cunningham gets healthy uh, as quickly as possible. And Nick Morrow gets back to playing like Nick Morrow played at the you know first 12, 11 games of the season uh, before he saw Christian McCaffrey and company. Um, Nick had played well, so I I do think there's an overreaction, you know, Monday aspect of it that you know they played a really poor game, so you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, we got to give Shaq Leonard a bunch of money in an extra year. I mean, no, if you can get him, you get him. Um, prorated deal, you know, throw him in there because he's better right. than Christian Ellis. Um, but will but- it be fair if Shaq Leonard signs with the Cowboys and we get the details of the deal? Uh, would it not be fair to go? Yeah, the Eagles should have paid that. If it was a toss-up between the two, the Cowboys, yeah, I don't think the Cowboys are going to give him $10 million for five games either. Nobody is. He's Shaq Leonard part two, not part one. So the money's going to be what the money's going to be. Is it going to be fair after the fact to evaluate yeah, the Eagles should have matched or slightly gone above? Well, yeah. it it I, I imagine it's going to be pretty much the same on both sides. He's, he's pretty much deciding where he wants to play from my perspective. So, so choosing the Cowboys, why do you think he would? A bunch of reasons. I said it last week. Maybe he likes the weather. Maybe he likes the taxes. Maybe, maybe, maybe he likes the facility. 
Uh, maybe he likes the Cowboys. Maybe he was a Cowboys fan when he was young. I have no idea. There's a bunch of reasons. When I started oh, yeah, Texas teams. I'd, I'd like to know his opinion on it. It's that, why he decided to do that. Because if he does, he's going to be just add another well, one to the list of persona non gratis here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of there, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of pro athletes that choose Florida and Texas just for the taxes. I mean, there's a lot of pro athletes who do that. That the Cowboys have, if not the best facility in the NFL, um, the second best or maybe the third best. Miami's really good, uh, and New Minnesota's is really good. Um, they have great facilities. The Eagles are kind of outdated, to be honest. Um, um, there's weather, as you mentioned, in Northeast. Now he's played in Indianapolis. Maybe he's sick of it. Maybe I, I, I'm saying all these things from my perspective, he has a good relationship with Nick, supposedly. And I thought that would be the tipping point, but you know, play that individuals, everybody thinks differently. Um, and I think he's, I do not think. He's going to Dallas because Dallas is going to give him a better contract. That's and we'll see. We'll see how things shake out. I think he's going to get basically the same from each team, and he's just deciding where he wants to play. Yeah, we we won't know that unless he directly answers that question. We'll know what the money is. We get the, the details on the deal, but Shaq Leonard. Well, you know, to- you know. Well, you'll be able to know by the contract if the Cowboys give him like five million. You know, well, the Eagles weren't going there. Um, if it's if it's more reasonable, you know, you kind of know. But yeah, you're never going to be a hundred percent unless he he passes up. He's asked the question directly, and he says, "Yeah, it was because of taxes." Yeah, it was because the Cowboys put an extra half a million on the table. He may or may not uh, cop to it, but I'd, I'd like to know uh, this question. Eagles still have money under the salary cap for this year. If you don't use it, you can roll it over to next year. So there's an advantage to finishing the season with some salary cap wiggle room. But they're still an all-in team this year. And is there any other place where you would spend this year's salary cap money other than upgrading linebacker at this point for the 2023 Philadelphia Eagles? Well, in, in the short term, but uh, you know, my, they need help at linebacker. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, and they've addressed some of the other positions, safety with Kevin Byer trade. So probably not at this particular time because, you know, Nicobe's pretty much done for the season. Zach's hurts, but Zach's going to be back. Um, you know, I think people forget about that. It's not like he's done for the year um, and he's played pretty well. I thought they missed his physicality um, uh, in yesterday's game. He's been, he's been a very physical player. And I do think, you know, I criticize the Eagles for, and to be honest, and I've said it on the show a couple of times, they seem to be waiting for the other shoe to drop with Nicholas Morrow. They didn't believe in him. Maybe they were right because he played, the shoe dropped. Or, or possibly he had a bad game. And he's going to bounce back and play like he played for the first, which is the larger sample size, where, where he was pretty good. Not great, mm-hmm. but pretty good. Yep. So, I don't think you need to panic and say that's Nicholas Morrow. 
I don't think that's – I think he had a really bad game against a really good team, and I don't think that's going to be consistent moving forward. So I, I don't think it's as necessary or, or panic-driven as most people think um, because I don't know how much better Shaq Leonard right now is than Nicholas Morrow. If you go to where – remember, he got benched um, by Indianapolis, and he is, you know, a staple there. Remember, not only as a, a, a formerly great player before the back problems, but he was a big part of the community. He was one of their most popular players. All that stuff factors in that he doesn't have here, and they still cut him. So, you know – he, he was, and I'm trying to look it up really quick. The PFF had 79 graded linebackers. Uh, he was 61. 61 of 79. And yeah, That's not good. The, the only question is, is he better than what the Eagles have? Is it an upgrade? And if it's an upgrade, you need to put a, a valuation on it. Is it worth paying it or not? And well, that's oh, what I'm saying. Is he better than Nicholas Morrow? Well, Nicholas Morrow had been playing better than him this season until yesterday. I can say that confidently. Um, did he play? He, he played like crap. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look up. Nick Nick was number 19 coming into that game. Number 19 in the entire league coming into that game. Shaq was 61. So. I don't know. I don't know if it's that big of an upgrade, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, not that big. It's a, in my opinion, it's an upgrade. And I think at this stage of the season, coming off your worst loss uh, all year long, and not even close. Uh, if if you're if you've got the chance to upgrade, whatever that upgrade is, mass. We're not talking about Fred Warner here. We're talking about Jack Leonard Part Two. Which is not great. Well, and, and my my more point is, Jody, is he's better than Christian Ellis. So there's your upgrade. If you're forced to play with right. Zach but Cunningham, you believe, you believe Cunningham's coming back next week? Uh, I don't know if he is. He's got a hamstring. Hamstrings can go uh, a couple. You know, they can go a negative way. Uh, looks like Jeff Kerr's having computer problems, so um, we might not get Jeff because he can't connect for some reason but uh um yeah i i i, I don't think zach's gonna be ready next week um i so um yeah that, that adds to the necessity of a potential upgrade um yeah well, right. well that's why i said even if nick morrow goes back to playing the way he's playing even when zach cunningham maybe comes back for seattle maybe maybe the week after um He's still an upgrade over Christian Ellis, so I think it would be it would be good to get him in here. But I don't think he's any kind of savior if Eagles fans are thinking it that way. And the interesting thing about it is, uh, and I love to be a fly on the wall, um, he decided to take the weekend. I thought there was a real good chance he was going to make his call by the middle of last week. And get there, probably not be ready to play on, on three, make the call Wednesday, Thursday. You're not going to get him up to speed in two days. Only Joshua Dobbs does that. Um, but most football players don't do that. But by taking the weekend, 
And we're sitting here on Monday, and there may be a decision sometime later today. If there's not, if it drags over to tomorrow, now all of a sudden you're compromising him for this weekend's game. And this weekend's game happens to be the Eagles against the Cowboys. That that is a push point. That is something that needs to be desired, uh, decided. And I'm real would love to know what the powers that be down in Dallas are saying as far as. Yeah, come on, you got to make a call here. What Howie Roseman is saying as far uh, as uh, Shaq Leonard's agent, you got to make a call here. Because, yeah, if Shaq Leonard, if money is a factor in this, you got to, you don't play the game, you can't get paid. He's going to get a prorated deal from either of the two things. That we can surely agree on. Nobody's giving him a massive year contract. So, uh, Shaq, if you care about the money, you got to make the call, got to spit or get off the pot here, buddy. Got to do something in the next 48 hours. Yeah, he, he is. I mean, it's no surprise to the Cowboys and Eagles. As I mentioned last week, he, he had told Josina Anderson he was going to take his time and make the decision. Um, and he's supposed to make it 24-40. He was going to wait till after the Eagles game, then 24 to 48 hours. So it's coming. Um, and as long as you get into the building by Wednesday on a game day, um, you're good that week. He's a veteran player. The Eagles have done it before. They did it with Kevin Byard, and he's been playing. So Bradley Roby's another example, but Bradley Roby hadn't been playing, so there was more of a, a ramp up here. Shaq has, has been playing. Right. Um, so he's more in the Byard category. So um, he'll, he'll be ready to go for whatever team he chooses uh, for at least a limited role on, on Sunday night. Um, the question is, which team is he going to choose? And he's going to be uh, either way. The Eagles are going to see him. They might right, see he's, him. he's going to be in a game in Dallas next yeah. Sunday. One either in Eagle Green or Cowboy Blue. Um, what would have been a big story here today if the Eagles had found a way to win the game yesterday? Because it would have been just dismissive. Hey, shut up, take that. We're going to go back to your West Coast and wine some more wine and cheese. But didn't happen. Um, but it would have been something to talk about today. Diana Rossini over the weekend reported that her sources were telling her when the NFL com competition committee meets after this season, that Roger Goodell will be rather outspoken that he wants the tush push eliminated. I, I usually defend Goodell. I'm a, I think the commissioners get a bad deal. They got one of the toughest uh, jobs on the planet. Very, very well compensated for uh, no pity party, no GoFundMe page. But as far as critique goes, commissioners can never get anything wrong there. Uh, they have to be hatchet men for their 32 bosses. Uh, so I, I appreciate the job that they have. I'm not sure why Roger Goodell's taking a hardline stance on this. Um, doesn't make sense to me. It does seem punitive toward the Philadelphia Eagles. And, John, I'm just double-checking because you and I have had the same exact read on this throughout. If it comes down that way, if they ban the tush-push, it's not the end of the world for the Eagles. Well, the I, don't, Eagles, I don't think it's going to matter much at all. I really don't. Right. Don't. The Eagles will still be good on fourth and one because Jalen Hurts is that physical a freak. Their offensive yeah. line is still going to be that good. You can't tell them they can't block. The only thing you're doing is you tell them Dallas Goddard can't push. And it's not going to stop the Eagles from converting on fourth down. Because it's become so high profile, because it's become so talked about, because it's been so successful there in Philly, you'll lose a little spotlight, a little pub. Who the hell cares? 
if the Eagles still are aggressive and continue to convert on fourth and one, who yeah. cares how they go about doing it? I, I, I think it's it's more of a mental thing and more, and that's one of the reasons, you know, when they scored, as I mentioned, and cut the game to 21-13 on the touch push, everybody gets more excited than if it's just a normal sneak. It's turned into this thing, and Eagles fans love it, and they're doing touch pushes at weddings and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's turned into this thing. Does anyone remember how successful the Eagles were with the quarterback sneak with Carson Wentz? Does everybody forget? Mm-hmm. They were like 35 of 37 because they had a big, powerful quarterback behind a great Jason offensive Kelsey. line, starting with Jason Kelsey. Yep. This success is nothing new uh, for the Eagles. Um, it is nothing new, and it will not change um, with Jalen Hurts and his 600-pound squatting ability uh, if they just have to sneak in a conventional fashion. Where I was wrong, and you know, I've been saying this for a long time. It's counterintuitive, Jody, but um, I said it would be better for the Eagles if they banned the tush push because I thought other teams would get an advantage from it. Hasn't turned out that way. Everybody else who seems to try it uh, does a really poor job with it. And that, but I, on the other hand, I think that's indicative of. It's not really the tush push. It's kind of Jalen Hurts and Jason yeah, Kelsey is. in the offensive line. Um, yeah. And it, it, the lack of success by other teams, it's just window dressing. The Eagles are going to be great at it, whether they ban it or they don't ban Agreed. It's more a Jalen uh, Kelsey thing than it is a push from behind thing. All right, we got to take another timeout. Apparently, no Jeff Carday. He's having major computer problems. Got to be able to log in to join us. Marcus Hayes is going to join us coming up in less than 20 minutes from now. So keep it here on Birds 365. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Mallow Mutton Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Mac guys here on Birds 365. Kind of a tough show to do today. Eagles got their tails kicked yesterday by the San Francisco 49ers at Lincoln Financial Field. And they dominated in the first quarter. And then unfortunately for the Eagles, they had to play the last three quarters. They couldn't just go, all right, can we hedge our bet? Can we can we buy in here? Get it? No. Uh, you got to play all four quarters, and the Eagles didn't. They played one. And even that first quarter wasn't great. The whole you got to be able to score a touchdown thing, which it disappeared for weeks, Eagles, yeah. uh, John. They, they were like bottom half easily, maybe bottom 10 in the league at percentage yeah, of touchdowns. First four weeks, it kind of turned around week five, and it's been tremendous. I think they were 11 straight in the red zone coming into that game or something like that. Uh, it was a pretty big number. Yeah, oh, I think that was the big. They didn't get 11 straight touchdowns. No, yeah, they did. In the eleven red straight touchdowns, I in believe. The I believe that was the number. Um, I'll have to double check, but they've been tremendous uh, in the red zone in recent weeks, and really overall since week five, they're really bad the first four weeks. Um, but I think that had a bigger impact on the game. Like when people criticize the offense, and it, it's tough to me to get to the offense, as I said, because the defense was so bad, but. That that's what I look at that first quarter, because if you if you score touchdowns there, and you have a fourteen nothing lead, there's a that the, that game changes. Jim Schwartz, I always give him credit. Games have personalities, and they do, and he's right. And if it's fourteen to nothing instead of six nothing, I think I think yesterday is a much different game. I really believe that. Um, 
and they just couldn't punch it in. And the one sack with Jalen Hurts, when he kind of fell, he slipped. He's trying to extend the play, trying to extend the play, trying to extend the play, and he just slipped. And he mentioned sometimes you just slip, and he's right. I mean, sometimes it happens. But, yeah. I mean, you got to make a decision. If there's one thing, and he got sacked later in the game, same thing. And that's one we talk about. You and I always talk about sacks. I mean, those those were two complete coverage sacks. He had all day to throw, and he's not pulling the trigger. Now, I got to watch, see who's open, if he had a chance. You know, maybe they weren't open. Um, but, you know, the old A.J. Brown, he's always open because, you know, give him a chance. Um, and, you know, worst comes to worst, you play the next down, but you don't take those big sacks. And they were huge, a 15-yard sack, the first one. And the other one was over 10 yards. I have to dig deep. But the first one was 15 yards because he kept – Extending, 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 and flip and uh, slipped. Can't do that. Can't do that. Um, but they were tremendous. The first play, the they they obviously lost the coin toss. San Francisco deferred. They won twelve plays, sixty-seven yards, um, and had to settle for a field goal. Three and out. Twelve plays had to settle for a field goal. Three and out. But they only had a six nothing lead. Yep. We were talking about it in in the press box, and that, that's not good. That's not a good sign. You completely dominate the numbers, Jody. Were one one twenty four total yardage to negative six minus six. Yep. And they had a six nothing lead. I I think if they if they score, it changes the whole personality of the game. Right, they scored two touchdowns, and then the Eagle defense played the way they did for the next three quarters. After playing great for two possessions, two possessions not going to win your football game. If the Eagles had scored touchdown, could have had an effect. Maybe McCaffrey doesn't get the ball as much in that third possession. He was a big part of them going down and taking the lead seven six, but they didn't. So the Eagles faltered, even though it looks on paper one twenty four to minus six, they yeah. completely dominated. The other stat you got to bring in, you always have to do it, is the scoreboard. It's nice to look at yards. More important to look at points. And the Eagles didn't come up with it. Yeah, you got to cash in. You got to cash in. You have to cash in against good teams, especially. Um, Especially. And even if it's one, one out of two, and it's 10 nothing. But I think that's deplating in a way. It's just like 14 nothing is deplating in the other way. And then from San Francisco's perspective, there's probably some doubt creeping into their minds. They're saying, oh, here we go again. Uh, yeah, look, look, what, look what happens when you're in Philadelphia. On the other hand, it's 6 nothing. Doubt starts to creep in the other side. So that's – but that's intangible stuff. And But I – you know, Jim, Jim told me that years ago, and he's right. I watch enough football. Games have personalities, man. They really do. And here's another thing that I think we need, we, and that's all inclusive, you, me, all the Eagle fans, everybody, uh, need to reevaluate because I heard a lot of this leading up to the game. Major advantage in the coaching staff, Philadelphia. Not yesterday it wasn't. The 49ers outcoached no. Eagles, all inclusive. Head coach, coordinator versus coordinator, every aspect of it. The 49ers outcoached the Eagles yesterday. Sorry, Eagle fans. That's just my evaluation of what transpired on the field for 60 minutes. And we, we've already gotten to a lot of it. But I got one more very specific question for you where I'm going to put 
the coach, head coach, under the microscope with the decision that he made. I was on the air while the game's being played. You're in the press box. You're ta- you're following again. You're figuring out what the hell's going on. You're prepping to do the Jacob pregame sh- postgame show. I got to be on the air, which sucks. That's why I hate these 425 games when Eagles play because I'm on the air for the second half. I'm on CBS. So my buddy Zach Gelb asked me about why Jalen Hurts was on the field in the fourth quarter when the Eagles were down 35 to 13. And I said, they haven't given up until you give up. You haven't given up. Jalen had left the game, went from the tent back to the locker room, passed the concussion protocol, was able to come back into the game. He wanted to get back into the game. He wanted to get him back into the game. Did I think the Eagles were going to rally and win at that point? The answer is no. But I still didn't have a problem with it. If Jalen is their quarterback and he's their leader and he says he wants to go back into the game and you pass the concussion protocol, you get to go back in the game. And he did. And he marched him down the field and he got a touchdown. Couldn't make the play on a two-point conversion, but still they they at least did something offensively, something they hadn't done uh, all that much of in the game. And then the 49ers immediately answer, go right down the field and score again. Uh, The six of six straight touchdowns, shame on the defense. And then Jalen comes back out on the field again with, with five minutes to go in the game. What is Sirianni thinking about that? The game is over. When they go, after you score a touchdown, they come right back out and go down the field. You go for the onside kick, two plays, 48 yards, Debo to the house, see you later, bye. Jalen's got to be done at that point. You just have to tell him. If you have to strap him to the bench, you strap him to the bench and say, we're not putting you back out there so you can take another knock on the noggin, and now we got issues. What was Sirianni thinking there? Yeah, um, he was asked the question after the game, and even him, you know, I said, I, I, my mistake was I, I chose intangibles over logic. I think he chose emotion over logic. He didn't want to wave the white flag. He didn't want to admit he was getting his ass kicked. Remember, this team isn't used to losing. They haven't, and they haven't lost like this for a long time. Plus, you have a quarterback who wants to play and has an old soul, as we always say, an old school mentality. And back in the old days, you're healthy, you're clear, you play. Um, now, I think it's a new age thinking, oh, you got Dallas next week, you got to protect everybody, there's no – and that's probably the right way to think about it because you're not winning this game. So why, And, and by, by the way, DeAndre Swift got lit up by uh, Lenore, and oh, yeah. he, he had to leave the game. Um, so – Anything can happen at any time, and it's if you're going to lose an impactful player when the game's over. Yeah, I mean, you got to be. I think he was more emotional and just saying, no, "We're not going to give up. We're going to fight and claw to the end." Then logical that you got to beat Dallas and you got to have your guys to beat Dallas. And um, I would have not put him back out there. I wouldn't have put him back out there when he left. To be honest game was over um and you could tell when he answered the question well we're down two scores no you were down three scores so even from that perspective he was a little bit clouded now you know an emotion was um you know at the forefront but you're the head coach yeah i think i think it's a fair criticism nick's got to deal with he is an emotional guy he coaches with emotion he behaves with emotion and sometimes it's very advantageous, but sometimes yeah. it's detrimental. 
And it could have been really detrimental yesterday. And that's something he's got to improve on. Just plain and simple. You have to be able to curb your emotions at times when you're the head coach of a National Football League team yesterday. And he didn't. And he dodged a bullet in the Jalen didn't get hurt. But that – and I think I was cutting him slack. Like you just said, you wouldn't have put him back out there at all after he went back into the locker room. I cut him the slack of, hey, he hasn't given up on the game yet. It's a real long shot. He's playing against the odds, but the coach wants to give his quarterback a shot. When they come back, it's not on you, Nick. It's on your defense. First, the special teams couldn't get an onside kick, but how many people actually do get onside kicks? As soon as you let Debo go to the house, you just throw up your hands. You go, okay, it's over. I have to admit it's over. We all have to admit it's over. We just got to get these last five minutes in and get the hell into the locker room. He didn't do that yesterday. He was little, little lucky that he didn't have to pay a price. All right, he's uh, McMullen. I'm McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. Apparently, Marcus Hayes has good computer service at his house. Jeff Kerr, not so much. But Marcus Hayes does. He's going to join us next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We're here to show you a better way to spend your state income taxes and get the money to where it's needed to move to the thousands of qualified kids. What we like about blocks is they really know where the need is. This program ensures that their dollars come 100% into these kids for their tuition assistance. If you are able, blocks makes the EITC piece go very quickly and very smoothly. Turn your PA state tax liability into need-based scholarships and receive a 90% tax credit. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got John McMullen, Jody McDonald, and we are joined by Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer, longtime Eagles columnist, as good as there is in the city, who hopefully he's got his headsets in. Hello, Marcus. How are you this morning? Uh, apparently he doesn't. Huh? He's not hearing us. Marcus Hayes, you hearing us? I am not. It's only 919. You said 920. Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, Matt. 54, attention to 55, detail. 56, I like it. 57, 58, 59, 920. Marcus Hayes, Jody McDonald, John McBone here. How you doing, buddy? Good. Let me turn this light off behind me. It looks like I've have an, I have an idea all the time. Oh, you do? But, but I seldom have. I seldom have. You usually do. He's a columnist. He's got to get ideas. You would Marcus think he would want ideas. Uh, I think he's always I got steal ideas. I'm a good thief. What are you stealing out of that game yesterday? A beat out of epic proportions, 42 to 19. What is the number one um, topic, epic, whatever you can take out of it, stolen or otherwise, that uh, you think? needs to be addressed after our 42 to 19 beatdown. Never again underappreciate Fletcher Cox. Yeah, how about that? I thought you were going to go with a certain security chief from uh, South Philadelphia, but uh, yeah, Fletch, man, doesn't practice all week. We'll talk about Tom in a second. You wrote a great column uh, at, at inquire.com, but um, yeah, with Fletch, he didn't practice all week, Marcus, and he's out there playing and He's one of the few players the Eagles would allow to do that, to not practice at all and have his regular role on game day. And Jody and I were disagreeing a little bit. I don't think the front played that badly. I have to rewatch the game. Obviously, it was a late night for all of us. It was the back seven. They didn't get any help from the back seven at all. No, and Fletcher was a part of that. The two, the two first drives were the best defensive line play maybe I've ever seen the Eagles produce in consecutive series. They were just dominant. They were breathtaking, yeah. right? And then the rookie and the first-year guy got exhausted because they played 90 snaps apiece last week. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Time, time. They got exhausted after six plays? Because they played 90 snaps apiece. Two drives, six plays, and they're on the sidelines exhausted? Hey. Doesn't hey, that tell you something? They should have been on the sideline, but they were on the field and exhausted. And they just got manhandled. <clears throat> we haven't seen Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis get beat up like that. The only reason I can divine is that it's week 12. They're both relatively young players and one's a rookie. And this is when you hit the wall, December, when it gets cold and you've been, you know, carrying 300 pound linemen all for all fall. Number one, number two, they played a career high snaps. Number three, both of them entered the NFL with conditioning issues. Right. So they've done a great job. But to ask them to log a career-high snaps in a, um overtime game the week before, then come back and replace Fletcher Cox's jo- role is too much. It was kind of a perfect storm if you think about it. Fletcher's, what, 75% didn't practice all week. And, you know, he's, what, 33? So week 13 isn't great for him either. <clears throat> so you've got the two young guys who have conditioning issues on the front end but are better now and – have a, I don't know, a, a rookie wall to get through. Also, Milton Williams. 
missed two weeks with a concussion. So he's not ready to go 40, 50 snaps. So your four frontline defensive tackles, after about, you know, 12, 13 minutes of play, they're just gassed. It's a, it, was a, it was the biggest flip of dominance I've ever seen. In yeah, any- it, was, it was unbelievable how, how dominant they were in the first quarter. And then, boop, gone, uh, completely gone. Um, you rarely see that, you know, when you see such a shift, such a dramatic shift, you either have it on one day. It's like a great pitcher, old school pitcher. You got it or you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And they had it and they lost it. So and, they get, I, and that's the thing. They couldn't get it back. They came back in the third quarter and they were just as tired. They, they gave up a, a touchdown drive. In the yeah, third that's quarter, interesting. Quarter, I'm glad quarter. you brought that up because I hadn't thought of that. I know Nick was asked about it and he said, we're not going to use it as an excuse, but yeah, because I've been, I've been trying to figure out why uh, he didn't say no, did he? No, he didn't say no. Yeah. He's a a bad liar. And when things are obvious, he doesn't want to insult the kids and he doesn't want to insult Fletcher who was what? 75% at most. Yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing um, about Fletcher not practicing is how is that different from any other week? (laughs) he hasn't practiced since like 2020 he he typically goes out there and goes through the motions so he might he might have gotten more work in walking on a treadmill than he he normally does during a week that's fair as well uh all right let's talk about big dom though you know in a lot of ways marcus i thought that was the turning point of the game you know the 49ers sandwiched um, the second and third quarters, as teams like to do. They deferred. They sandwiched the halftime with with touchdowns. And you're starting to say, oof, Eagles are down 21-6, largest deficit of the season. But they did what the Eagles do, and they answered. Mm-hmm. Right in the middle of that was Dom getting into it with Dre Greenlaw. And then, you know, everybody's fired up. Everybody loves Dom. Fans are going crazy as he walks off the field. Connor Barwin congratulates him. Eagles finish that drive with two touch pushes for the touchdown. They're within one score. It's a one-score game. They weren't chasing points, but it was 21-13. They kicked the extra point. And then San Francisco gets the ball back in five plays, and Debo Samuel, 48 yards, bang. Um, they restore order because of that back seven. So two questions. No, it was not the back seven. Not the back seven? On- it was the front four. Debo Samuel was cruising by the time he hit the back seven. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah. stop him. You stop him with a bulldozer. Well, you, you know, can't. It's, it's the linebackers. I mean, you know, Nick yeah, Morrow had a terrible game. Christian Ellis had a great first quarter or a great first drive. He makes, yeah. like, two good plays every time he gets yeah. in. Right? Yeah. Like every, and then, then he just becomes Christian Ellis. Before <laughs> we get into more of the defense, the Dom aspect, were you a little bit surprised they didn't take that emotional lift as weird as it was and, and no. build on it? I, I didn't think they really had a, a, a choice. I mean – they were getting destroyed at the line of scrimmage, just utterly destroyed. And no, I, I didn't think that – I think the offense took a little bit from it, but the offense was working anyway. The offense was going pretty good. I'm not sure 
honestly, I was astounded that it didn't deflate the offense because the offense was moving. That was a first down, a 15-yard penalty or 12-yard penalty. They were at the 24. It put them at the 12 because of the body slam, right? Yeah. So that long delay, what was that, four or five minutes? They had to call New York to yeah. find out if they could kick out Dom. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty – I was pretty impressed that they finished the drive. I thought that that was going to be the thing that stalled the drive, the way Jalen slipping on his scrambles stalled the drive earlier. And let's let's talk about that scramble just for a second, okay? I don't care. You the don't slip run scramble. Yeah, you don't run twenty yards backwards. No, ever. That's it's bad a fifteen yard loss. Yeah, we were talking. It, it, even, it, even if you throw the ball, I'll give you. Yeah. I'll give you a guy who would never do that, Brock Purdy. Huh? Brock Purdy doesn't fair. get 15 yards. Sack. He got sacked he goes, for two yards. Two yards. Goes side to side which is, which is better, a two-yard sack or a 15-yard yeah. sack? I'm not disputing that. I'm not. Well, and it's it's gotten to the point where the question is, what's better, a two-yard sack, or a you know an incompletion, or the I don't know 50% chance Jalen's going to gain six yards because it ain't 16 anymore. Yeah. Well, you can you can have the extended play, the touchdown to Alameda Zacchaeus like last week, but it wasn't happening. There was no magic uh, this week. Um, as a whole, is this a bigger deal than we're making it that Dom gets involved in this type of situation with a player? And could there be more repercussions from the NFL, or are they just going to hope everybody forgets about it quickly? Well. well I don't know. It depends on how much of a stink San Francisco makes. And last night I went to San Francisco. I'm writing a column. I think it's just published a minute ago on inquire.com about Debo Samuel because this was the Debo Bowl, right? Yeah. Um, So I went over there and every person who was asked about the altercation, they were irate that a non-coach, non-player was involved in the altercation. Kyle Shanahan said, I was just trying not to lose my mind. So... That said, it's unfortunate for Dom that it went went off as it did. If you saw the action, and you and I did, Dom was trying to de-escalate something and keep somebody like Dre Greenlaw, who's got, I think, eight personal fouls or unsportsmanlikes this year already, from escalating on the sideline with maybe Devontae Smith, who he was already penalized for body slamming, you know, sort of after the play. All of Dom's intentions were good. Dre Greenlaw escalated it by going back at Dom. So to answer your question, I think the league is going to look at it and say, okay, here's a guy who was trying to do the right thing, and the reaction of the player is the reason each of them got ejected. I don't think Dom gets ejected for pushing Dre Greenlaw if Dre Greenlaw just walks away. You kind of see that thing happen all the time with coaches and whatnot. And, you know, it's Dom's nature. So. I don't think much is going to come of it if the if the NFL sees it the way that I probably think it should be seen. But if the 49ers, who are a powerful organization, if the 49ers want something done, something might get done, and that would be that would be too bad because Dom Dom DeSandro was acting in the best interests of everyone. Yeah, and, well, and maybe was- that was Nick's best move because he did apologize to Kyle after the game. So maybe that was his best coaching move. Kyle was, uh, still, Kyle was still hot. Yeah. Yeah. He was and, still hot. and oh, by the way, you, you're not suggesting that Dom didn't deserve to get tossed. 
I'm with you. That well, I don't. I hope there's no further action. But Dom deserved to get taught. You can't put. But, if you're just an employee of the team, a non-coach, non-player, you can't put hands on another player, even if your intentions are good. It, ha- it happens. It, it'll happen. And the way it happened, I'm not defending the essence of what Don. I am defending the essence of what Don did, right. but not the, the action of Don. If he, if Dre Greenlaw doesn't go back at Dom, it's not an issue. Nobody gets tossed. The the reaction of Dre Greenlaw looking like he threw a punch at Dom is what. The, the officials had to act on. So why did Dre Greenlaw look like he threw a punch at Dom? Because Dre Greenlaw, who might be the hottest head in the NFL now that Vontez Perfect is gone, not that he's not dirty like Vontez, but he's he's a hot Vontez, head. yeah. Oof. It's um had Dre Greenlaw not gone back at Dom, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But also, I wouldn't have had as much stuff to write about last night. So I'm I'm kind of <laughs> exactly. Um, Marcus, next up, Dallas Cowboys. Can we even can can the Eagles do it? And I'm asking you to do it. They, I'm sure Nick Sirianni is going to try when he gets the guys back in the building. As soon as he does, turn the page. It's an important page they're turning because with yesterday's loss, now the Cowboys' ability to catch the Eagles comes back into play, comes back into question. How tough a task is that for Sirianni this week to be able to just put? The ugliest, certainly the ugliest game. Mate, it's this was uglier than the Super Bowl. I don't know how far you'd have to go back to say an uglier game than yesterday. How easy it or difficult is it going to be for them to put it in the rearview mirror? Oh, it's easy to to go back to the you know the playoff game against Tampa in Tampa. That that's that's okay. The, that was a beat down. You're right. You're right. Um, where you expected two good teams to have a good game, you know. So and it, and it wasn't. Um, yeah, I, to answer your question, Jody, this team since Rodney McLeod and Zach Ertz kind of wussed out in Cincinnati in 2016, <laughs> which precipitated like the captain's meeting every Tuesday in the coach's office. This locker room has been incredibly professional and very, very good at sort of taking everything, put, dealing with what's in front of them. They're very, very mature. And, you know, from Jason Kelsey to Darius Slay to Jalen Hurts to Fletcher Cox to Lane Johnson, you know, it's interesting that they will be looking at a Dallas Cowboys road game where they haven't won, I don't think, since 2017 as just another game and need to because we kind of expected this to be the hyper-hyped game, especially when San Francisco was losing three games in a row without Debo. But I don't think they'll have a problem putting it behind them. I expect them to play to their ability. But again, it all comes down to, and I, I I sound like a broken record. Fletcher Cox has been the most important player on the Eagles roster since 2013 or so. They built two defenses around him that went to a Super Bowl, including last year's. Last year's defense pr- was predicated on whether Fletcher Cox had any gas left in the tank. And if Fletcher Cox is 85 or 90 percent, it's a big difference because it means the kids have to play less. He plays better. And the best offense, maybe because of we because we love passing, right? The best offense in the NFL is faced with a probable hall of a hall of fame defensive tackle versus just another guy and two tired kids. Um, you know, yesterday, as ugly as it was, Marcus, it it was just one game. 
Um, and the Eagles have to get right back at it. And they got a big game against a team that's won 14 straight at home. You mentioned the Eagles haven't been too good there in recent years. Nobody has. Um, so I ask you this. I believe it was five, a little over five minutes left in the game. 23-point deficit, I think. Jalen Hurts comes back in the game after getting checked for a concussion. Was that the right decision by Nick Sirianni? with Dallas looming game over emotion uh, uh, over logic or was waving it? the white flag or was it or, or, was, or it? was it that's the question so you're down 23 with the ball five minutes left I don't think it's in Jalen Hurts's nature or Nick Sirianni's nature to say this game is over because what you need hypothetically and mathematically there's a touchdown a turnover, a touchdown, and an onside kick. Is it highly unlikely? I don't know what the uh, analytics would be. I'm sure it's in the 95th to 98th percentile that it wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's highly unlikely. But you're playing for the number one seed in the NFL. Now, you've got two games in hand before the game, so there's great arguments against it. But I didn't have a big problem with it because – Unless you were going to take Nick, uh, unless you were going to take Jalen Hurts out anyway, unless Jalen Hurts wasn't going to play independent of you know clearing concussion protocol, then yeah, you put him back in and let him see what he can do. The other thing is like you need Jalen Hurts to get snaps against live snaps against his team because you're going you, if you're going to go to the Super Bowl, you're going to see him again. And why does he need live snaps against the 49ers? Just so you can evaluate whether he's good enough to beat him. No, so he can so he can see what's in front of him, so he can get oh, okay. more looks uh, at the 49ers, as many looks live looks as he can, and you know who knows what they're going to do. They're probably not going to show him a whole lot, you know what I'm saying? They're they're going to rest defensive linemen, and they're not going to blitz or whatever. But he's going to understand better, maybe maybe maybe, and, and maybe that's not worth the risk. But he's going to understand better the next time they face them, probably in the same stadium, assuming the Eagles don't totally collapse probably in the same stadium, so, you know, what the defensive coordinator on the other side likes to do. Doesn't, But doesn't that cut both ways? If the Eagles have some plays that they've been holding back, they think will be big plays successful against his 49er defense. Do you really want to run those down 42 to 19 with five minutes to go in the game? Or do you want well, to keep yeah. them under wraps and go surrender? With three minutes left to go, no, because I don't think you have enough time. But with five minutes, I think you can score three times assuming you get the ball back quickly and you don't try two onside kicks. You, you know, you kick it away. You try to get a turnover and you know, you go, you go all out, you know, you run blitz, you blitz, you send everybody and you hope you can cover yourself on the backside. But yeah, I mean, there is a great argument that the game was over. I mean, the AJ Brown after the game said he was surprised Jalen can't, Jalen can't, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. the game was over, yeah. but maybe he's just not good at math. I don't know. <laughs> um aj i was surprised aj said that uh by the way um i before the game marcus i spotted uh howie roseman uh talking to john lynch uh, on the sidelines perhaps the architects of the two best rosters in the nfl uh we know all the flowers howie has gotten deservedly so for building this roster um but i did I did see the dichotomy of the fact that San Francisco has all this talent. And, oh, by the way, they have the best running back in football and the best linebacker in football. Two positions, the Eagles devalue 
in a general sense, I agree with. But boy, from the from the micro on one day, it's nice to have a good running back and a good linebacker. Um, do we give Howie too much of a pass for because he go? I I think he's maybe taking it a little bit too far at those two positions, fair or unfair. Um, it's unfair because the Eagles have a good running back. They don't have Christian McCaffrey, but they're also not paying the, the 49ers aren't paying a quarterback, you know, so they have the luxury of, yeah. you know, overpaying Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey who are very, very similar players, right? Oh, yeah. Mirror each other. That's what makes it so difficult. Exactly. When those yeah. two guys are in the back, but that's a huge luxury for them because they're not paying a quarterback. So that said, I mean, Howie's mathematics are I have to pay my quarterback, then I have to pay my tackles and ends, then I have to pay my cornerbacks and receivers. And the middle of the field will suffer because I believe the middle of the field is dispensable. I think he often under not undervalues the position, but under-evaluates the positions. I don't think he's a very good judge of linebackers. There have been some stink linebackers here in the last 10 years. They've won despite his misses. It's not that he doesn't spend money or resources on linebackers. It's just that he's not very good at figuring out who the good ones are. So, I mean, they spent a third-round pick on N'Kobe Dean, who can't stay healthy, is undersized, and was predicted to be able, not be able to stay healthy. You know, they, they've spent money and resources on the linebacker position, but, you know, he just hasn't hit with that. I mean, if, if, the, if we – if we over celebrate Howie, I think the, the over celebration is that we don't criticize him enough for not evaluating the middle of the field as well as he should, not necessarily not trying to address it. Think about all the safeties he's drafted. Yeah. I mean, and, and have been bust. Well, and he had a middle linebacker, but he let him go. Uh, TJ Edwards. And yeah, they, but, that, I'm he, surprised, he, Marcus. I say it all the time. Uh-huh. They, they found him, developed him. He's turned into a very good player, and they under-evaluate him because he was undrafted. Come well, on. At some point, that's got to be in the rear-view mirror. Well, TJ can't cover tight ends either. He's a, he's a serviceable linebacker who's being overpaid. If you want to overpay TJ, that's great, but you've got a lot of other guys to pay. So I, I, I thought TJ Edwards is, was a wonderful story, a guy who you root for because, like, the other TJ, TJ McCollum, he was never supposed to make it, right? The, the Sixers uh, pseudo yes. point guard for a yeah. few years. Been in the league for 10 years. Yeah. So good on to the TJs. But if you're paying one of the TJs, then you're taking money away from somewhere else that you need to spend it. I mean, if they do, they are they able to bring back James Bradbury if they uh, extend or re sign TJ Edwards? And I don't think we can, I don't think we can argue that one is like James Bradbury, replacing James Bradbury is harder. And James Bradbury is probably a better value, you know, considering the position and certainly how they view the position. Oh, I'll give you out. And after yesterday's game, and I know it's just one game we're talking about here and watching the Eagles attempt to tackle, I take a linebacker who can tackle like D.J. Edwards. Well, and well, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice the fact that he can't cover tight ends. And I'll give you the guy. It was Derek Barnett two years ago. When the Eagles brought him back, they paid – not 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 mega money, but a premium for a veteran guy to keep the defensive line flush and said, all right, we're paying our, at best, for defensive end this kind of money. We're not going to be able to pay a linebacker. We're going to have to go cheap on linebacker. 
That's a misuse of funds. They no, they Zach Cunningham didn't play yesterday. They have a linebacker. They they don't have linebacker. Right, well, wait, wait. We got to either give Howie credit for you being able to find Zach Cunningham, who you're putting on a semi pedestal, is that good, and take him off the scrap heap for nothing, or we can't say Howie just can't pick linebackers. Which is it? Which is Zach Cunningham? A great find because he's that good and he was out there and everybody else had a chance at him and how he scooped him up or is how he they, they just got lucky with Zach Cunningham he's serviceable he's fine he's neither of those things he's on no pedestal you know from me but he's their starting middle linebacker so to 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 assert that you know they lost yesterday because how he hasn't acquired a viable replacement for TJ Edwards that, that's not a that's not a viable assertion because he has a guy was hurt. And if you want two of them, then you're you know, you're becoming what the 1986 Bears because the, the, the yeah. they just well, the they Bears are the perfect because the Bears spent a ton of money. And I don't agree with the Bears. They, they signed Tremaine Edmonds and uh, and TJ Edwards. So they spent a whole hell of a lot of money on all four linebackers. And their quarterback is on a rookie deal, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and mean, the Eagles ship, yeah, you're right. How much of this you got? Yeah. Hey, but to your point, well, Johnny Andrews, Jody, time out Philadelphia. Yeah. They will never spend that kind of money. They could have four rookie quarterbacks. They'd never spend, you know, eight million dollars a year on a linebacker again. Just, just a quick notification: the Eagles have a quarterback on a rookie contract. This is the last year of Jalen's rookie deal. Yeah. And they they had the flexibility. They don't go forward because yeah. they made the commitment to Jalen that they did. And nobody's going to complain about that. Wait a minute. Correct me if I'm wrong, John. Having paid him the bonus money, doesn't start it doesn't it start prorating immediately? Well, yeah, but uh it, it the big Who's money doesn't kick in. Yeah, no. The <laughs> big but the really big money doesn't bonus money right now. The really big money doesn't kick in until next year. But the Eagles had that that span of Jalen Hurts where he was on the rookie deal could have taken advantage of it. So I'll say this because Marcus back in 2017, the Eagles wanted to draft Christian McCaffrey. It shocks a lot of people because everyone they'll never take a running back. They'll never take a running back. They'll never take a running back. They would have taken Christian McCaffrey for different reasons. It's also because he's such so good in the passing game. It was a different offense, Doug Peterson, different quarterback that would utilize the the running back in the passing game more. I'm not sure they would have had that same mentality with Jalen Hurts. Would they pay Christian McCaffrey if they had the opportunity? If it magically dropped in their hat, he's the he's the top paid running back by a wide margin, deservedly so, would they even consider it if they were in a position to have that type of player? So are you saying there's no salary cap or they just have enough money? No, there's salary cap. They have, they, what I'm saying is, are is there a generational player that can change their thinking at these positions? Running back, linebacker. Could, in other words, is there an, an anomaly? Obviously, in other words, do they have a hard and fast rule or would they break it for a certain special talent? They would. I don't think they would ever pay Christian McCaffrey what he's making, but I don't. I don't doubt that they would have drafted Bijan Robinson or Christian McCaffrey given the opportunity. Because, like you said, not only are they generational players, they're they're not running backs. They're running backs slash tight ends slash slot receivers slash wide receivers. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they're and they're pretty unstoppable. The problem is they play positions where you get hurt all the time. Debo was hurt. You know, Debo's kind of the same guy. He got paid by San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey's the big deal when they traded for Christian McCaffrey is, well, you know, they're cross, they're crossing their fingers and putting all their money in the pot because this coach and general manager are desperate to keep their jobs. And Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, they're gone. And Bijan Robinson, you know, he disappeared. He's disappeared already. So, uh, for not necessarily for because of his own doing, but yeah, I think they would break their rule, you know, sort of go away from their philosophy if they thought they were going to get a guy who, in his 15 to 20 touches, and we're never going to see a guy who touches the ball 30 times again, but in his 15 to 20 touches, gives you the pot opportunity to have like a hundred net yards per game. And that's really what Christian McCaffrey's kind of going for this year. Like he's like a two thousand yard guy. Yeah, Marcus, you had a chill run down my spine there with something you just said. Um, the Devo Samuel is the guy who plays a position where you're going to get hurt. It's just going to happen. He's going to get hurt. The Eagles have two really good wide receivers who haven't been hurt at all this year. They they play ninety plus percent of the snaps every game, if not a hundred every once in a while. If wide receivers are just going to get hurt in the National Football League, we saw a couple things catch up with the Eagles yesterday that we knew they were coming. We knew they were coming, but they're winning the game, but they're winning the game. So we disregard. So we'll put it on the back burner. They just keep winning games. Do we have to worry about the uh, injury to uh, Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown that's due to come because they play that position? Well, I mean, Debo and – McCaffrey play very different positions than the other two guys. I mean, Debo is kind of put in harm's way with linebackers and, and defensive linemen frequently, you know, so. Yeah. Well, he should be in harm's way, but he wasn't yesterday, Mark. That's right. If the defense functions properly, yeah. Debo was put in harm's way. Um, young receivers and these guys, you know, one guy's in his prime age and the other guy's young, Devante. <laughs> Young receivers don't generally get hurt, you know, and if they are the kind of guys who are injury prone, they've been hurt by now and they're injury prone. So I'm not worried about those guys' health. Okay. Really at all. Hear it. So it could be freakish, but, you know, they're both beautifully conditioned. They both really take care of their bodies before, during and after the season. And, uh, you know, they're smart. They don't take hits. They don't need to take, you know, I, I thought Devante had like, it, it, do you remember where, um, uh, when uh, Dumbledore is killed in Harry Potter, he just evaporated from his robe. That's what I thought happened to Devontae Smith yesterday when he got sandwiched. I thought he had just evaporated. I thought we would never see him again. <laughs> he's gone into the ether. It was like the first time he's come off with a bit because of a big hit. And um, you know, so yeah, that was that's one that raised my eyebrows. But it also raised my eyebrows that he was able to continue to play. Yeah, he's a tough guy, Devontae. Really is. It's really, um, and unless you've seen him, unless you've been in his presence and seen his, you know, shoulder blades and collarbones sticking out of his skin. And those you know, legs, man. Those legs are like any legs. Yeah. You just don't, you just don't, you have a hard time appreciating that he's able to play in the same on the same field as AJ Brown, who's like the opposite. Like he's yeah. the new Megatron. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh he's a tough kid. At Ink Stained Wretch, make sure you follow Marcus on X, formerly known as Twitter. Read him. So, well, the website is still Twitter.com. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, it's crazy. Like you had, don't you have at some point change it yeah, to X? You would think. You would think. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't understand that brand change. But but Elon's got a lot of money, so he does. Are you going to buy any of his crypto? I am not. If he wants to give me some of his money so I can buy some of his crypto, maybe I will. But uh, that's up to Elon. It's always they open. It's gonna, they say it's going to burst into flame and run over pedestrians. <laughs> really? Uh, uh, yeah, I got to get one of those uh, Tesla trucks, though. I've heard good things, except they're hideously ugly, but they go faster than a even a Porsche. You would look uh, great with your bald head and some wraparound <laughs> shades out of a Tesla truck. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away from Tesla because I, I, Jason you. Kelsey dropped that moniker I, on yeah. Joe Beta, and it just hasn't panned yeah, out. Yeah, he, he, he was, uh, Sua was uh, not even active yesterday, so how the money of Poland there. Read uh, Marcus's column on, on Big Dom, the brotherly shove on the sidelines at Inquirer.com. So I'll leave it here defensively, Marcus. Mm-hmm. A, a lot Jody and I talked about, and for whatever reason, people are grading on a curve. When you talk about the new coordinators, it seems like Brian Johnson has gotten more criticism than Sean Desai. And, and basically, I get it. I think people were grading on a curve. So curve stopped. That was a bad performance by this defense. That was a um, bad performance by this defense. It kind of depends on you and I. You know, and Jody and the people that who do our jobs. Philadelphia has a a love affair with defense, but not always an appreciation. Mm -hmm. You know, the men don't break stuff and we want to blitz all the time. So how the media couches what happened on Sunday and whether we're right or wrong or whatever, how how we present it will, I think, determine how it's seen. Because it's sort of a, there's no real answer. Every defense only works as well as its aggregate, right? You can have star offensive players. You can't really have a star defensive player unless it's an interior pass rusher, an exterior pass rusher. So, but, you know, the the reason people graded on a curve both ways is because Brian Johnson was supposed to be the reason Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts, Right. He's yeah. the reason Jalen Hurts was the MVP candidate last year because he had the background with Jalen. He was a quarterback's coach. So it, when Jalen didn't play well early, and maybe you can question some of the play calls as well, that falls at the feet of the new offensive coordinator whose predecessor was not hated. Sean Desai could not fail because no yeah. one has been less justly hated in the history of Philadelphia sports than – uh, Jonathan Gannon. Yeah. I'm not saying Jonathan was a great coordinator, but he was pretty good at what he did and made made do with what he had. And you know, I didn't really like the guy. I didn't like the way he left. But you know, even like Andre Iguodala was better, was more beloved. <laughs> when he left down than Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, I mean, and bizarre considering the success he had here. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's yeah. the curve that Sean Desai has been graded no. on. And I don't think Sean Desai is going to get a lot of heat. I think the players are going to get a lot of heat. And, and they should. It's always players first. The hopefully, players hopefully we will remember yeah. that the defensive tackle, maybe the best defensive tackle they've ever had, yeah. was not healthy, and the middle linebacker was hurt. All right, right. And that's why you grade on a curve. But I will predict this, Marcus. I don't know if you're doing a show on WIP this week or not. I'm doing two before before the game on Sunday. I will get at least one call that says, 
hey, can we get Gannon back? <laughs> no. One. 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 I'm predicting I get no. at least one. It'll there is all. one reactionary Eagle fan who goes, that defense was so brutal, so terrible. Can we get Gannon back? Boy. One. It'll be, it'll one. be Elliot Shore Parks. Uh, could be. You never know. Uh, Mark, it's always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for jumping in. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, Mark. Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquiry.com. Yeah. Boy, I don't think you're getting that call, Jody. One. Mean, hey, one. Just one. And then, and then I'll get I'll get three calls thereafter. Gannon still sucks. Gannon, what that guy think? Gannon still sucks. Yeah, I'm not talking about swaying the entire Eagle fan base. There'll be one. Yeah. We're so put off. Well, there should be. There should be. Honestly, there should be more than one. But, uh, you know, I get crap for defending JG. Um, not to bet, you know, is what it is. He did a good job here. I'm not going to lie to the people. Uh, the second-ranked defense in the NFL, number one-ranked pass defense. You'd like to have the number one-ranked pass defense right now. I'd say that's dropped off, and you still have Slay and Bradbury here, and they yeah. go from the number one to the number 27, 28, 20. They're in the I think it's going five. down this week. Yikes. Uh, that's, I... that's not good. All right, McMullen, McDonald, quick and timeout. Come back, put a ball on the shelf. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
I'm running out on a tough-to-do Birds 365 after defeating the Eagles took at the hands of the 49ers yesterday. Um, Johnny Mac, Nick Sirianni will address you guys later on today. And I'll give Sirianni this much credit. Just generally speaking, on Sunday nights when you get him after the game, he doesn't just always say, I got to check the tape. I got to watch the tape. I got to see the tape. There are a lot of coaches that do that. that oh, don't he, want to does that. he does that. He'll, he'll he does He does it. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying he never does it. I'm saying in comparison to other coaches, he doesn't do it as much. He'll every once in a while give you an opinion. Here's what I saw. It's how we got to deal with it. To be fair, by the way, I say the same thing. It is tough. I mean, until you rewatch hey, you said it. You said it like three times today. I haven't had a chance to rewatch the game yet. It's a hundred percent true. I mean, you got to ask the question, but he's a hundred percent right. There's only much, so much you can see from the sideline. You gotta, Agreed. Yeah. So now that he's watched the tape, what is the one question he has to answer today? What's the biggest question he has to answer that he can't go? I got to go back and watch the tape. You've watched the tape. You've had a chance, coach. Now you can say you saw it live on the sidelines and you saw it on tape. What's the biggest question he's got to answer? Well, it's Philadelphia, so I think. You know, most of Philadelphia wants to talk about the running game as they always do and why they abandon it. I think it's self-evident. So I don't think that's the most important. And he kind of addressed it a little bit yesterday. And so did Jason Kelsey, as I mentioned, just weren't successful. Then they got behind. Then it turns in game changes. You got to try to get back the best way you can. Um, I, I mean, I to me, it's all about the defense. It's all about the back seven. How are you going to fix those issues now? He's an offensive-minded coach, so, um, you know, it's basically Sean Desai, but he's very, you know, he's a, he, he, he's, and I think his biggest strength as a coach, I say all the time, he's the CEO. So he takes, um, he's very invested on every side, and he's got to be invested on fixing that and coming up a, with an idea. And I talked about all these moving parts. There's no reason, no reason that, um. Eli Wright should be getting playing time over Bradley Roby at this point. Um, that's got to change. Um, now the linebackers, a lot of it's injury related as Zach Cunningham gets back. Um, you know, Shaq Leonard, how, how do you fix things on the back seven? Um, and I don't know. We might have to start talking about Jody this week about Slay and Bradbury because they are not playing well right now. <laughs> In At comparison to heard. the 49er corners yesterday. Yeah. Ward, I call? love Ward, by the way. I love Ward. Their, cor- their cover corners were phenomenal yeah. yesterday. I love Ward. I love – he's a really good player. And and I'll say this, you know, when people talked about – I know we got to go. We're late. I apologize, Andrew. When people talk about Debo and Trash and James Bradbury, and I say it all the time, wide receivers are like mean girls, the old show, mean girls. They talk – they don't have respect for zone corners. They like press corners like Ward. And that's why people like AJ Debo talk the way they do because they're confident that they can beat zone corners and all that crap. Um, But do they need to shift things a little bit defensively with that mindset? Cause they were treating Brandon Ayuk, like I mentioned, like he was Randy Moss in his prime. I don't, I don't think that's the way you can play defense. And even though we had that, it was a good hard hit. I didn't have a problem with the hit that uh, he laid on uh, Swift. The two-step celebration when he got up afterwards was pretty damn annoying. 
but Lenore is a damn good cornerback too. They they got guys who can flat out cover, and they covered much better than the Eagles did yesterday. All right, uh, we're over. We got to run. Uh, keep it here, Bill, with the Power Hour next. McMullen and McDonald be back tomorrow in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.